Hey there, fellas. Welcome to, of course, uh, Griff Talks Football. It's been a while. I've just uh, been busy, uh, but still working on the video. So I'll surely keep you all updated via social media, even on this podcast, in regards to when that video will be released. In all honesty, uh, it will be released when it, <laughs> when it will be released. Uh, uh, but in the meantime, though, you got this episode. And there are two teams that I think about uh, that could potentially win the Super Bowl. Other than Tampa Bay being in the way, because we all know that somehow Tom Brady is going to eat his avocado ice cream and stay healthy and somehow be an effective quarterback at the age of 44 this upcoming August. 43 or 44, but still, like, he's coming into his uh, mid-40s, and yet he's still playing at a very efficient and effective high level. For someone, again, who's not mobile, he can get away with uh, his ability to be able to read pre-snap and post-snap, to be able to process the information and get the ball out quick. Although we've seen Tampa Bay's offense where the intent is to take seven-step drops and throw deep because it's the the risk-it-no-biscuit lifestyle, Bruce Arians. And he definitely risked a lot, and he definitely got the biscuit that being paid a lot of money for certain players, especially players that Brady wanted. And the biscuit was uh, the Super Bowl trophy. Uh, and I did wanted Kansas City to win. Uh, however, unfortunately, uh, that didn't occur because uh, they got their ass whooped and handed, and Brady was able to walk off with a seven Super Bowl ring. Not just trophies, man, rings. Because trophies tend to be just going to the organization, but the rings are personal. The rings are the ones where the players can show to other uh, players, to other people, uh, and so forth. And it's it's something they can also uh, be be proud of. The fact that you accomplished something that not many teams get to do. Unless you're New England other than this year where New England just uh, just just fell off a cliff basically their quarterback situation is dire uh but before Brady left they were dominant as ever uh they went on a championship run or at least consistently going to the AFC championship game going from 2011 to 2018 no team has done that it's for like seven consecutive years it's it's fucking insane uh Right pieces around you, the right quarterback for the scenario, and the right coach. And again, that's what Tampa Bay did. They had an excellent defense, especially against the run this year. Their pass rush was dominant. Offensively, they adjusted throughout the year where they established the rock more than just focusing on throwing deep. And they established a lot of quick passing uh, concepts as well. Again, the intent of getting the ball out quick, which, by the way, I know a great episode that talks about the West Coast terminology and the West Coast offense. It's on my YouTube channel, uh, Griff Talks Football. But we we saw how they changed offensively after losing to 
Kansas City the first time in the regular season where they were at now they're at seven and five and then they won seven consecutive games beating, which includes beating Green Bay and Kansas City. Uh, Green Bay NFC Championship game, Kansas City the Super Bowl. And what makes me think about Kansas City and Green Bay is that they're not far off in terms of not only competing and being able to beat Tampa Bay, uh, but to be able to go to the Super Bowl or win another Super Bowl. And both Kansas City's and Green Bay's issues are kind of similar uh, in terms of improvement from the defensive unit. Now, obviously, Green Bay's defense improved from the 2019 season, but in doing so, they still lost to Tampa Bay. I mean, they created turnovers, but throughout the season, they really struggled on defending the run, and they still allowed some big plays throughout the year through the air. Um, again, they were better yardage-wise. They were like top f- 10, both in pass defense, yards allowed, and, and run defense, uh, rushing yards allowed. Uh, but they were in the middle of the pack in points per game allowed. They are in the middle of the pack in allowing third down, I believe. Uh, their sacks or the sacks force kind of dipped. Um, and so they were forcing turnovers. That dipped as well, uh, comparing the 2019 season and then comparing to the 2020 season. Uh, a lot of people are going to think about the Green Bay Packers offense, Aaron Rodgers winning his third NFL MVP award. Uh, throwing 48 touchdowns, running for three. Um, yeah, a total of 51 touchdowns. Uh, played excellently throughout the throughout the year. Uh, but as we saw against Tampa Bay, they struggled. Like, even with Green Bay's defense forcing those turnovers, Aaron Rodgers, once they got an interception, Aaron Rodgers the offense, three and out. Another interception, Aaron Rodgers, three and out. And a lot of people are, you know, getting upset Matt LaFleur for uh, not going for it on fourth and goal instead of kicking the field goal, which, you know, hindsight, maybe they could have gone for it, but they still probably wouldn't get those points, right? Because it was getting very difficult to score against Tampa Bay's defense in the red zone. And on top of that, you have a quarterback that was that has been inconsistent throughout that game. And I really felt like also Green Bay – didn't establish the run, which is something that they're probably going to be working on this year. Not only again improving the defensive unit, both whether it's the D-line and linebackers, uh, but as well as um, offensive weapons. They're going to be good at running back. You know, they're probably going to lose Aaron Jones to free agency, but they got A.J. Dillon. When he played, he played well. They still have Jamal Williams under contract. Um, so the question comes to mind is pass catching targets where they draft another tight end to be a backup to Robert Tunya or to be a complimentary piece to him as well. Nothing wrong against Mercedes Lewis, but that dude is not the most effective route runner at all. Uh, he's a backup tight end for green Bay. And on top of that, other than, uh oh MVS Marquez or Valdez Scantling. I think that's how you say his name, but MVS is his uh, initials where 
He's one of the fastest receivers on the team, but he has not played consistent. And Alan Lazard is a good, I would say, a good slot receiver given his size, given his speed, given his route running, given his uh, how well he catches the ball, but he's definitely not a number two. So those guys are not are not number twos. So, you know, whether it's go and get a receiver out in the free agency or draft a receiver in the first round and ha- hopefully have Aaron Rodgers trust said receiver whoever they draft. Because again, they have a good they have a good foundation already in pay- place. Aaron Rodgers isn't going to go anywhere. Uh, so the question comes to mind is where they can improve defensively, which for me it's the linebacking core and the defensive line. And then offensively is getting more complimentary pieces for the passing game. And hopefully go from there. And if they do those things, and in the 2021 season they go, what, 13-3 again? and then lose another NFC championship game, uh, at that point, I'm going to put, again, this is hypothetical, but I'm going to put blame on Aaron. I slowly believe, too, that this was Aaron's... I would put majority of blame on Aaron for the decisions he made throughout the game in the previous NFC championship game. And on top of that, he's one and four in the NFC Championship game. That's the same record as Donovan McNabb. And if you're someone that's being called a GOAT, but yet struggles winning playoff games, uh, got some issues there. But that's what I think about Green Bay, is what they could do to be able to improve, uh, both offensively and defensively. And as for Kansas City, it's also... Maybe get another corner. Uh, probably add another linebacking uh, linebacking core to be able to, and maybe a defensive tackle to be able to improve run defense and pass defense. And on top of that, establishing an excellent running game. Nothing wrong against the running backs, and nothing wrong against uh, Clyde's, yeah, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Uh, but and nothing against that offensive line either. But that offensive line, they do need to improve uh, in terms of run technique. Whether you draft another offensive lineman, or you hire a different offensive line uh, line coach, or just continuously improve from there to be able to get to a point where you fix your schematics and you be able to fix the rushing attack for your offense. I know it's a passing league, but any time that you can establish the run. That definitely helps kind of slow down the, the the pass rush or at least keeps the defense off balance from guessing or to be able to hold them in place to be able to, you know, when you run play action, you have an easier opportunity of, to find a wide open pass catching target. And so Tampa Bay has all those things still. They have an excellent running game now, an excellent offensive line, excellent defense all around. And they still have the GOAT. And for Kansas City, got to find a way to improve that running game. Can't always rely on Patrick Mahomes. Find some pieces that can help improve your defensive unit. And then for Green Bay, it's add some more pass-catching targets and find different pieces to improve your defensive unit. And then at that point, 
only hope for the best. But that's what I came away after after watching that Super Bowl. That's where my mind came, or at least went to. It's like you're telling me you couldn't beat Tampa Bay, and then thinking about it, it's Tampa Bay had better pieces, better pieces. And speaking of pieces, uh, I know there's a lot of rumors going around about Deshaun Watson. Uh, I don't think he's going to go anywhere given the type of organization that the Texans have uh, become, which is a utterly trash organization. When they're worse than the Browns, that's when you know they're terrible. (laughs) Even though I'm a huge Cleveland Browns fan, I'm glad that they made the playoffs this year and made it to the divisional round. Uh, That's where the Texans organization has now become is, is, is trash. Uh, and Watson doesn't like where the organization is going. He doesn't want to play for the organization uh, to, to many uh, reports. And so he had a list of teams, and one of them was the Carolina Panthers. And I think the Carolina Panthers are the best fit, not only for Watson, but for Houston as well, if they decided uh, to no longer listen to Jack Easterby and his influence and, and instead uh, go with what their gut is, and it is to trade this player and uh, – get the pieces you need to be able to build a foundation or to be able to improve your roster overall. So why I think Carolina fits for Watson is they would have the weapons for Watson to throw to. Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel. None of them, as far as I know, are going in free agency this year. Matter of fact, they signed Robbie Anderson for the 2020 season on on a on a contract worth a few years. So again, he's not going anywhere. Uh, their offensive line is a little bit better compared to Houston. And and hey, uh, he's got complimentary pieces, and he's got a I wouldn't say easier division, but again, he he would be far better. It's a far better fit for him. For be able for him to be able to compete against teams as compared to trading to the Jets, that would be a, a dream come true for Houston to be able to acquire more picks and more defense players from the Jets. But in doing so, Watson would have no weapons to to throw to, and not a good offensive line either. So that's a good fit for Watson to go to Carolina, but as for Houston. You know, they could get as many pieces as they want because Carolina really wants to pursue Watson. They could get Bridgewater in the trade as well as Christian McCaffrey. Yes, Christian McCaffrey. They definitely need a star. Bridgewater Bridgewater isn't a star, but he's definitely a good quarterback. You know, a top 15 to say the least. And Christian McCaffrey is a star. He's one of the best fantasy running backs ever. Uh, even though it's a young career thus far. He can catch out of the backfield. He can run in routes with excellence. Don't forget, 2019, he had over 1,000 yards rushing and 1,000 yards receiving, and he was the third running back to ever do so in NFL history, going behind Roger Craig with the Niners in the 80s and going behind uh, Marshall Falk in uh, 1999 with, the, with then, as known as the greatest show on turf, St. Louis Rams. So they could get Christian McCaffrey, Teddy Bridgewater, uh, the first, the eighth overall pick in the first round, and maybe a couple other picks, or eighth overall pick in the first round, and a couple defensive players. 
or at least some starters, yeah, some good starters to be able to add on your defense. That way you can say, hey, at least I have a defense now. It's not going to be top 10. It's going to be better than 32nd overall. Um, But that's something that they have to figure out as an organization what they could do because I don't think they could repair the relationship with Watson given the fact that he he doesn't want to be with the team. So, and in doing so, Houston, again, has all leverage here because they have one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And if Carolina is really aggressive, they will give up as many pieces as they can, not not to ruin their roster, but is giving up as many pieces as they can or feel like they could afford to give up to be able to then get Deshaun Watson. So, not sure if he's going to go to Carolina, but it'd be very interesting to see where he goes. So, thank you all again for listening to today's episode. Uh, and I'll certainly catch you all next week. Uh, and uh, thanks again for listening. And uh, again, catch you all soon.